0: welcome to the san jose hockey now podcast i'm shang peng editor-in-chief of san jose hockey now you also find my work at shang underscore peng on twitter and at MEC sharks
1: i'm keegan mcnally you can find me on twitter at half full underscore hockey at my website half-ball or at san jose hockey now this week super exciting it's another mailbag episode
0: yep sharks are on a long bye they aren't coming back to play till valentine's day so plenty of time
1: yep and um it's felt like the the absolute best time to get a couple of your guys' questions out, so if you are new to the Mailbag episodes, um, subscribers to San Jose Hockey Now can leave questions. We're going to get through um, pretty much all of them, hopefully, um, and um, we're going to answer all of the burning questions that the yeah. Sharks fandom wants to know about. Um, we've got a few more things to talk about right before we get there, though. Um, uh, Shang, you wanted to talk about Roy Somber a little bit.
0: Yeah, I just want to congratulate Roy on that incredible honor of being inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame. And of course, naturally, it happens in San Jose, right where he belongs, where he coached uh, for San Jose Sharks, the AHL affiliate, not all the time in San Jose, but uh, for the San Jose Sharks, AHL affiliate. For 24 years, uh, he is the winningest AHL coach. I believe he has 836 wins or, or something. No, 828 wins. Um, and yeah, quite, quite quite a number of wins. But he also acknowledged uh, that he's also had a lot of losses. And so he's had a lot. He's also the losingest coach in AHL history. <laughs> uh, but he mentioned in his speech in typical Roy fashion um, that uh, you, can't, uh, you can't learn if, if you don't lose. And so uh, he's learned a lot in his life.
1: <laughs> yeah um the um it was also the ahl all-star weekend this weekend mm-hmm. um so don't have too too much to say about that although we'll, we'll probably get into some of it during these questions um but uh congratulations to muka Madulin for playing and it's a, a little bit of a shame that Gushin couldn't play but we figured we'd, we'd touch on that too
0: yeah um, uh let me shout out a couple a couple things too uh that uh 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 First, uh, uh, Nikita Sokolov, uh, my Barracuda writer, he wrote a terrific piece about uh, Daniil Gushin, going back to Daniil Gushin's uh, childhood, talked with Daniil's father. It was supposed to be in preparation for the AHL All-Star game. And yes, Daniil's dad did come for that, but unfortunately, Daniel couldn't play. But childhood pictures and unknown facts, unexpected facts about Daniil <laughs> Gushin. Like, for example, Daniil uh, wanted to be a goalie when he was a kid and stuff like that. And yep. also, too, um... He also did perfect stories about Shakira Mukumadulin. He was able to talk to Mukumadulin twice in Russian uh, after the skills competition and. After the All Star Challenge, All Star Game, uh, nobody else there was able to talk with Mukhmadulin in his native language. So it got a lot of good stuff out of Mukhmadulin that way. Mukhmadulin, of course, is still picking up on on English, and so uh, to have a guy like Nikita be able to talk with him is is invaluable. I think it's a uh, great for you guys too to really learn what Shakir is thinking. And finally, on Roy, uh, did a piece. Great stories that Roy told during his Hall of Fame induction speech. I went. I think it's supposed to go like ten minutes, but I went for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Roy fashion. He loves to tell sure. a good story, and so just some awesome stories. Just a couple of tidbits. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, first, uh, what was Warren Stralo's impact on Joe Buevelsky? Actually, a really cool bit. Warren Stralo goaltending coach legend of the Sharks, shepherded guys like Nabakov, like Kippersov, guys like that. Right? Sharks organization is still missing uh, Warren Stray-Low, uh, after all these years. And anyway, um. He had an impact. A story that I've never heard of Joe Blavelski going out to work with Warren Stralow and learning some of his goal scoring skills, maybe from Warren Stralow. So I think that was a really interesting story. And then my favorite one was finally uh, Roy used to have camping trips uh, with the Barracuda mm-hmm. or thorough Thoroughblades or whatever AHL team uh, uh, of the Sharks he was coaching, the Barons, whatever. Right. Uh, anyway, though, uh, one of the camping trips was so intense that uh, roy got a call from doug wilson and doug told him uh yeah the lawyer said you can't do that camping trip anymore (laughs) (laughs) so anyway great stories like that so check that story out at san jose hockey now
1: i love it um sadly i was not able to watch the uh ahl all-star game live because i attended the beanpot tournament in uh boston uh at td garden um, Excellent segue
0: to, to promote your articles.
1: I love it. <laughs> You're a little bit articles. of uh, doing a little bit of um, scouting work, a little bit of um, just a review of how the Sharks prospects um, Will Smith, uh, Michael Fisher, and um, Cam Lund have been doing, as well as future Shark Macklin Celebrini in that tournament. So if you haven't seen those articles, they're both out on San Jose Hockey now. Um, I think they're good. Uh, they're great. <laughs> No, it's I um, it's just kind of the stuff that I've been thinking about with those prospects for a while. And then watching the game, I got some not clarity, but a little bit of uh, cohesion on on my thoughts on on them and how their seasons are going, some of their future projections, that kind of thing. So I'll have another article out um, after the finals, which will be out uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday next week.
0: Yeah, the Beanpot final is on uh, this coming Monday. And yep. it's uh, northeastern versus uh, BU, and so yeah, some more thoughts on yeah, Lun Fisher and yep. uh, the future shark, Macklin Celebrini.
1: If we keep <laughs> saying it like that, it will will itself yeah, well, into existence. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loton Sharks famously willed Willie Macklin into existence. Exactly. So if we can get a... if we can well Celebrini to existence. That'll be a feather in our cap. So.
1: <laughs> exactly. We future shark, Macklin Celebrini. We're gonna create a little <laughs> little circle to pray by, and that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get to the questions, because we, we always go very long on these episodes, because yep. the questions, um, we, get, we get pretty in-depth. So, um, we're going to start with Gary2, T.O. He says, love the podcast every week. Um, last time I asked about if Hurdle has lost a step, now that we know he hasn't. My question is, do you guys predict he'd be willing to stay past this off-season to lead the Sharks out of the darkness, or will he be, want to be traded? As a follow-up, what would Greer need to do to convince him to stay, if that's what the Sharks are wanting? Thank you. Good question.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that my I predict that hurdle will want to go. Um, I don't believe that he signed on for a rebuild. And the problem, though, is that he may not have a choice but to stay in the sense that um, even though he does have a trade clause, but uh, the Sharks, I don't I don't think the Sharks are going to give him up and give him up pennies on a dollar. And I don't think the Sharks are gonna wanna give him up and necessarily use up their retention slot. And they only have one left because they still have another couple of years of Brent Burns, uh one more year after this year, of Brent Burns, and I think three more years after this year of retaining Eric Carlson. And so they don't want to tie themselves up with a hurdle contract that has, I think, six more years after after this one. Yeah. Um, so Hurdle may not have a choice in 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 some ways. Um I think, I, think that, uh, I, I, think, I think that's one of those things where there's one retention sp- slot, too, and there's a guy that's a, maybe ahead of hurdle in line, too, and Logan Couture, who has had longer service to the Sharks, who's older, too. And so it might be, like, if one player like a Couture really wants to leave to win a Stanley Cup, then that might be more like a Brent Burns situation, an older player that okay, uh, you've done so much for the sharks, we're gonna let you go. And it's not to say that Hurdle hasn't done a lot for the sharks, but Hurdle is younger. And so um Hurdle may have to kind of uh stick it and and and, and grin with it for a couple more years. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um so it could it could work out that Kator may want to stay a little more just because Kator has been here longer, uh it's just starting a family here and that's what there's there's different kind of factors. But sure. Again, I'm not sure if Hurdle will have that choice, though. Of I, I, Just if he wants to leave, the Sharks will do anything to accommodate him. I'm not quite sure about that. In terms of actually convincing Hurdle to want to stay, the Sharks would just have to be better, I think. I do think Hurdle wants to win. I think it's very frustrating for him that the Sharks are where they are in the standings, despite his really excellent year. And uh, even though the points aren't there with Hurdle, if you just look at his attitude on the ice, and even just uh, on the ice, um, how much offense he's creating relative to his team. Again, remember, this is not the Sharks team of last year that had Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer at his side. Uh, Thomas Riddle is the offensive engine of this team. He doesn't have, yep. again, Carlson or or Meyer to kind of be uh, co engines or tri engines or whatever, right? With them, right? And so he's doing, I think, exceptional. I've talked to people that think it's amazing he has 34 points in 48 games for this team. And yep. also that it's kind of unfortunate that Hurdle at this stage of his career is playing with so little skill. And yet Hurdle is able to shine and to excel. And I just I wrote an article last week, uh, when, um, <clears throat> last week, uh, All-Star Week, uh, about Hurdle's microstats and his dekes, right? Which I suspected all year. I think I mentioned it on, on, on the air um, that it feels like Hurdle is beating people at will this year. Uh, with his deeks and the stats bear it out. Last year, I think he was about ninetieth in, in uh, among forwards mm-hmm. in uh, open ice dekes. Uh Right now at the All Star break, I think he rose to thirteenth, uh, up to thirteenth in the league in in that category. And so that in in in, in the rate category too, not not in in volume, which obviously he gets a lot of playing time. So the and to do that in the rate category tells you that he's regularly beating his, the first man on him. And yeah. I've seen that on the ice so much this year. And it's a demonstration of just that he, his game is back. Like you've seen Gary, that, that I think his game is back. And um, if he was playing with better players this year, if he was playing with Eric Wonderpoint, Eric Carlson and Timo mm-hmm. Meyer, I think hurdle would be for sure a point per game player this year. He'd be producing like the hurdle of 2018, 19, who was a point per game player. Um, so anyway, to convince uh, a hurdle um, to not even think about leaving, it's not that a hurdle that wants to leave San Jose, he obviously likes San Jose, his family is, is here. Um, I think he is comfortable in a, in a place where he's not getting killed in the media, like last year when he wasn't playing well, and we'll get to that a little bit. We'll get to something related to that in a little bit. And so I think there's things he likes about San Jose for sure. But, it's tough for for a guy like like him that talks constantly about how the playoffs are the best hockey and how much he misses it, um, all this around him. And I know some people point at him like, "Hey, you're making a million dollars," but he's not Connor McDavid, and there's something that's not his fault. He's not going to drag the Sharks by his lonesome into sure. into playoff position. He's not Wayne Gretzky when the Kings traded for Wayne Gretzky in 1988, pulling mm-hmm. the the Kings into in, into the playoff picture. Um, that's not his fault and so anyway um so i th- I, th- so i think it is tough tough for him and so um if somehow the sharks can contend faster than expected uh sure. whether that's from a picking celebrini future shark macklin celebrini there it is uh, yeah there oh, it is right a... or yeah Will smith that was the, him, um right? yeah
1: That was what we kind of said about Carlson too before the Bedard draft was like, if they draft Bedard, she's been kind of hanging out. If, um, if, if they draft Bedard and they do a bunch of moves, maybe Carlson would want to stay. Turns out they didn't draft Bedard. They didn't do a bunch of moves to be competitive. So there he goes If that's the same kind of thing that happens with hurdle. I think there isn't a lot to, to say like, I, I honestly, I wouldn't want to try and convince him to stay and then have Greer try and put together a team for Tomas Hurdle. I love Hurdle, right, right. but it's not worth it. There's there's a better a, a future where the Sharks are competitive, and it's probably not with a team built around Tomas Hurdle entirely. We need better superstar players that are younger, that are on cheaper contracts, that are that are going to lead the franchise for the next decade instead of the next three to four years. So that would be my point. And I,
0: I want to add to that. When Hurdle resigned... And that's, I think, where people have the lack of clarity with the direction of organization, which we talked about a lot. That the Hurdle resigning was not Mike Greer's; it was another regime's. And so we did, uh, actually, the the previous incarnation of the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. We did a whole podcast about how to build a winning team around Tomas Hurdle, uh, assuming that the Sharks were going to resign him, which they did. And so we didn't think that that was going to be a Stanley Cup winning team, and it wasn't a healthy way to build a franchise, but. It just, it just made sense. I actually remember even Corey yeah. wrote about Corey from the athletic wrote about uh, something about how to, uh, I think uh, the way he phrased it was how to jail a Stanley cup team or jailbreak a Stanley cup championship out, 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 out of this current sharks team with, uh, mm. re-signed Thomas Schurdo with Timo Meyer, with Eric Carlson, all that kind of stuff, right? All those guys. Sure. Right. And so, but of course that goes contrary to building a sustainable winning product. Um, so anyway, so we have kind of addressed that before and it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the best direction for the franchise. And I think they recognize that finally, I don't think they necessarily did in 2022 when they resigned Thomas hurdle, but yep. it's, that's too late though. They did. So yeah, can't do anything about that.
1: And I, but, um, I mean, there is a world where later on in the future Thomas hurdle becomes like a very good three C. $8 right million dollars. we'll get to it's that a little bit some
0: people have yeah some people have, have asked us later yeah. on we'll, we'll get to a little bit more talk so it's not the last thing we say about hurdle like if we have sure. to keep them and uh what what that means so it's not all doom and gloom but
1: yeah um thank you for your question gary let's go to james r uh your pod and 32 thoughts are the most must listens every week thank you. so thank you for that thank you um Assuming Kakinen isn't traded by the, the deadline, I could see the Sharks wanting to run it back with the same tandem next year. That's an interesting thought. What kind of contract yeah. do you see them offering? Um, he has a second question there on whether or not this new tandem, Kakinen and Blackwood, is finally our... Uh, we've been looking for them to hit on a goaltender. Have they finally gotten oh, uh, it with
0: this uh, and Thomas Spear, yes. because we've been exactly. critical, especially in the Bakov for uh, just the state of the Sharks goaltending in the NHL and the state of the Sharks goaltending in the minor leagues. So.
1: Yeah, so... Let's answer the first question first. Kackinen's next contract, I, I, I don't know. I honestly think it would just be kind of similar to what he got this time. Like if they wanted to run it back, it's just my like a, opinion. Probably something in the two million dollars this range. Yeah. Yeah. Years. Absolutely.
0: He's not going to make like double what Mackenzie Blockwood, that's another thing, right? Uh, so he's mm-hmm. not going to make double what Mackenzie Blockwood makes or anything like that. So it'll be very close. Mackenzie Blockwood makes two years, 2.35. Blockwood was when he signed, I think it was two years, 2.75. So it'd be somewhere in that, it'd be short term too, because uh, as good as Blockwood and Captain have been, I don't think either has proven that, oh, you got to give either these guys a five-year contract or anything like that. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so and on your second question, which is a really good question, your second question, um, I think it's I think it is fair to uh, well first to credit uh, both Thomas Spear and Evgeny Nabokov for um, for the work they've done on Kaganin, right? Kakanin sort of. The, the changes he's had to make to his game have been well-documented over the last year and a half or so. And sure. then also, too, taking a chance at McKenzie, on McKenzie Blockwood, which uh, wasn't a, a no-brainer. There's some criticism for that, that why you waste six, a six-round pick on a guy like this, right? But obviously, though, somebody else was willing to offer something for him. So uh, you didn't just wait for the, the Devils to, to just not qualify him. And so he took a chance on a guy whose talent you liked, and he has shown to be kind of uh, uh definitely he's 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 been a good value trade. He's definitely been worth more than a six round pick, um. And so yeah, they definitely deserve credit for that. And I, I think that it does sort of um, it should at least quiet mm-hmm. some of the criticism that uh, that in the block off has received. I think fairly so. Um, obviously, there are still questions about the the system and the prospects, right? Uh, but the Sharks didn't draft anybody in goal last year, and so you can't criticize him for that. And obviously, right now, there's sort of a, a dearth of of uh, a projectable talent down in the minors, right, uh, if we're being honest. Yep. So that that's, that's something that still has to, I guess, happen. Uh, but if if uh, Nabokov is able to stitch together a good year of goaltending out of every year. And I guess if we look at the last two of the three years, they've, they had Reimer who was very good in 21, 22. Um, And that was, that was more Nabokov uh, because Spear wasn't uh, wasn't, wasn't with the team yet. And then last year wasn't so good, but this year you've had basic hits with, with Blackwood and Cactus. So basically if you can find guys on a bargain bin every year to keep to keep the franchise competitive and goal, which they've done for, which M- Nabokov has done for two of the last three years. That yeah. that buys you time to find your Wallsted, your, well, your future Nabokov or your future Kiprasov or yep. whoever, right? And so, yeah, so so it's a jury still out on the development of younger guys. But in the end though, if the if the product is, is working in the NHL, then you're basically doing your job. I will add one more note that it would be nice though if the product was working, the goaltending was a little better in the AHL just because I think it supports your prospects better, uh, yeah. be it your forwards or your defensemen, uh, if, if they have a goaltender that's helping them out a little bit. And so I think that's one area that, that we criticized last week uh, with Patrick Williams. We criticized the Barracuda for starting the season with three young, eight, three young goalies in the AHL. Um, and so, but I'm not saying that's an abokha decision anyway, but uh, that's, yeah. that's one thing that, that they, maybe
1: they want to address. And tonight they're they're starting uh, with Romanov and Beck Warm um, because yeah.
0: So we're not really sure what what Mac, what's the situation is with Makanyemi. Got to check yeah. up on that because last I talked with Makanyemi, he had I think shut out the Wranglers and he was saying that he was fully healthy. <laughs> yeah. So, so
1: where's Makanyemi? I uh, will um... figure that out. So yeah. Check <laughs> up on that one. Yeah. Anyway, the um the, the point, I, I I think it's a good point. I think they have hit on a little bit of the pro scouting seems to have. Hit on a few goalies right like
0: mm-hmm. yes even aiden hill to some degree exactly right? yeah.
1: even aiden hill was a hit even though it was a year late and and, and, <laughs> and, and it turns the, out another team <laughs> and it turns out if you put a massive goaltender center behind the best defense in the league it goes pretty well good things happen. i mean, good things happen and aiden hill was always talented It just it wasn't wasn't happening for the sharks so um in terms of the uh, is there another Whilst, uh, ask her off coming up in the draft. I don't think there's anyone projected to be a first-round pick this year um, for goaltenders. Um, I think the high, one of the higher ones is Ryerson Leenders, who's like a second, third-round pickish kind of range. But things change. But either way, there's not like that going to be picked in the top fifteen, like uh, mm-hmm. like there have been in prior years or top twenty or whatever. So,
0: I just want to add one note about a Hill that. It's fair to criticize the Sharks, Greer, Joe Will, Doug, whatever happened there, because Hill went from Doug Wilson to Joe Will to Mike Greer. Mm -hmm. And so, so somebody didn't like him enough to keep him. And so you can, you can, you can assess blame to Mike Greer, but at that point Hill was very devalued based on the year before. So Greer got the most he could at the time for him, I think. But anyway, so we can talk about that part of it. But the one thing though, that they were right about, at least, I would give this in the Bokov and Doug Wilson because Doug Wilson was a GM, was that they were right about Hill's talent, and hmm. that trade was not a slam duck at a time. A lot of people criticized that trade at a time, like who's Aiden Hill and why are you giving me a second round pick for him? He, he, at that point, he I think the most games he had played in the season was like nineteen or something like that, something like that. Um, yeah, something, some, something very, very low. Um, so a lot of people were critical critical of it uh, in the industry, not just not just fans, but scout types that sort of thing right yeah and so i think what hill has done in vegas even though it wasn't for the sharks has just did justify it doesn't justify the sharks cutting hill basically uh uh, uh trading 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 asset or trading for the asset when the asset was was high second round pick mm-hmm. and then trading him away when his value was lowest which is obviously not good asset management so there's no question about that part of it but um got to give I'm going to presume Nabokov and Wilson that they identified the talent there, that the team was right around Hill and we've seen it with the golden Knights. And presumably I'm looking at a team Canada Olympic mocks and fucking Aiden Hill is, is a starter for all of
1: It's amazing.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So
1: (laughs) I just goaltending blows my mind. Always Uh, just just absolutely fantastic. Also interesting, interesting note. the, Mm -hmm one of the better um, Russian goaltenders right now that's available in the draft. He's a double overager, but his last name is Nabokov. It's Ilya Nabakov. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, that's I don't, a cool one. Okay. no idea if they're related. There might be a lot of Nabokovs in Russia, but he's per- currently got like a 927 yeah, in the KHL. Yeah, a couple of so. them. Yeah, yeah, because I
0: remember there was a big time prospect like 20 years ago, Dmitri Nabokov. No relation. He was supposed to be a sniper. I ended up scoring like seven goals in the NHL or something. So,
1: <laughs> pretty good.
0: No, it was not. All right, let's
1: let's move on. A uh, great question. Thank you, James. Uh, Jake, uh, I listen weekly. Love the podcast. We we thank you for listening. Um, I wanted to circle a couple of fun questions. Back to the last time the Sharks <laughs> made the playoffs in 2019. Shang, I wanted to know what was your thoughts on Peter DeBoer <laughs> scratching Yunus Donskoy in the playoffs <laughs> over Michael Haley five years ago, <laughs> if you remember that. And what the heck was running through your mind in that Game 7 against Vegas? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. These so, are good questions.
0: Yes, they are. And actually, uh, if you can find it, it's been lost in the fear to Fin, the, the purge, the move over. Maybe you can still find it somewhere. I wrote a 2,000 award article defending Michael Haley when I first started covering the Sharks somewhere very early on uh, because I saw the hate that Michael Haley was getting. And I thought that that honestly, I thought it was very, very unfair. Um, I thought that he was a a better player than people were giving him credit for. And so I watched, I I watched like six games of Michael Haley tape, six uh, like shift by shift going back to Florida too to try to figure out what the Sharks saw in, in Michael Haley. And I remember seeing a guy that was really good on the forecheck, uh, kind of scary at the forecheck mm-hmm. at times, kind of like mm-hmm. a Ryan Reeves when Ryan Reeves was younger and better. Um, so Haley had a little bit of that. And also, too, obviously, the stuff just stepping up for his teammates and and, and, and that sort of thing, too, that was important, too. And so I actually thought nothing of, uh, of uh, not much of, of DeBoer sitting Donskoy in favor of Haley, especially on a fourth-line minimal situation. And Donskoy wasn't necessarily playing at, I thought, uh, necessarily his best either, not enough to be in a lineup. You know, Donskoy, if we remember... At his best, absolutely deserved to 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 be in a lineup. But the thoughts sure. was inconsistent though, as we can see in sort of his his point fluctuations, uh, when he moved on even after the Sharks, too. You know, his goal is streaks and and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so I actually didn't think I, I wasn't a person that that thought any anything anything of it. Um but I do remember it was a real point of contention though. If you if you look up my old tweets, uh, uh, there was something where uh, some, sometime mid season. Um, I think, okay. yeah. So I think another reporter asked the question of, I, I have this, uh, I have this, uh, I, 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 I put out the whole thing uh, on, mm-hmm. on Twitter so you, you can see it. A reporter asked the board, uh, people superficially look at it and say, why does Donskoy have to leave the lineup? Why can't he go down to the fourth line? And, sure. you know, do you see that as different roles, what you want on the fourth line? And the board said, no. Uh, I I think we have guys who are interchangeable, but I think our fourth line has done a good job with Michael Haley. Um, And then he said at the end of that quote, I know people minimize that, but I don't care. Our players understand the value of that in our lineup. So Pete was very well aware of some of the, the criticisms of, uh, that, that he was receiving for playing Haley over Donskoy. Again, this was in the regular season, too. This wasn't even the playoffs. And then I followed both with a question that, that got Pete mad. Um, and I wish I had the tape somewhere. But um, anyway, I asked, uh, I know it's not as simple as Haley and for Donskoy, uh, but what element does Haley bring into the lineup as opposed to... And then dot, dot, dot. And Pete cut me off. You know what he brings. We're not turning this into a daily story again on the value of Michael Haley. And remember, I, I, I started covering the Sharks that year. So that <laughs> I don't know if maybe it was referenced to past years. I don't know. If, yeah, because I think Haley was with the Sharks. I think he picked up, got picked up on waivers uh, that year, but he had been with the Sharks before. Yep, and yep, the same yep, arguments yep, were back. happening around Michael Haley a couple of years ago, right? Yep. Before this. And so anyway, so if Vita's mad about this. He's like, you know what he brings? We're not turning this into a daily story again on the value of Michael Haley. I've talked about this ad nauseum. I wasn't there for any of it, Pete. But anyway, you see it. You want to ask how important Michael Hayes is? Ask Brent Burns. Ask Joe Thornton. Ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that reminds me of uh, what's that um... (laughs) Dave Chappelle skit when Charlie Murphy is talking about Prince and, and Uh uh, yeah, and he's, and he's, and and you know, he's telling that Prince story. It's like, you don't believe me? Ask him. Ask Prince. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the voice that that the borough is using so anyway um you had something to say about Donskoy though uh keegan so i yeah i yeah. no,
1: i i pre <laughs> i i really appreciate i wish we had that quote because i i do I miss sometimes i miss pete sometimes like very occasionally i miss pete for like I, I think he had uh ran his course uh with the sharks when he when he got you know ousted but either way i i, I do miss pete sometimes and i also just miss competitive sharks hockey it's weird to think right. about like we're, we're thinking about a a lineup decision from five years ago and it's like oh yeah they were actually this was super important at the time i wasn't mad and like i don't think that michael haley is particularly obviously he's not as good as you Squid, but i remember not being upset about it because i remember don square just playing really poorly like down the stretch of the season, and I was like, oh, yeah, Dansko is not doing well. And I was like, yeah, sit him. I don't, you know, it, there was, like, three other lines that I actually cared about, plus, you know, the defense, like, and, and the goaltending. And I was like, I don't care what happens to the fourth line. Like, put Michael Haley out there. He'll punch some faces. It's fine. Like, and Donskoy and had... And Michael I looked was up. going
0: to forecheck, too, though. I, I'm going to still push for that. He skated well, yeah. and he did. He did he defensively. Did. And so, fine. yeah, he was useful. Yeah,
1: I looked it up. Uh, Donskoy had four points in the preceding, like, 13 games before the playoffs and then mm-hmm. he had like three points in the 13 games he played the playoffs so like and that was with limited minutes because he had been pushed down the lineup for like weeks and weeks and weeks because he was wasn't playing well and like he was an inconsistent player he had some amazing sharks moments but at the time he just wasn't and when don is not effective he's basically like invisible so i don't know i didn't have a problem with the lineup decision at all at the time right also Whereas... I was, Haley yeah. had
0: a degree of consistency. If, even yeah. if it wasn't a su- uh, star quality, which Dawson sure. could pull off star plays, but when Haley was kind of average, it still was, you know, there was a reliability to it, right? So then that coach yeah, is yeah. really, yeah, that really matters.
1: And like at the end of the day, when they when they really needed goals, to, they weren't going to put out the fourth line anyway. So I, it, right. it wasn't like he was getting caved in every night, Haley or anything like that, he, you know? he finished that playoff minus one it was 11 games so good for haley i think it was fine and there was also like i don't remember if it was that there was a couple playoff before that where like Mm -hmm. what's his name like mike brown scored like a ridiculous goal from the fourth line that was super important that it just sometimes the guys that like show up and just provide lots of energy rather than just being invisible they pot a goal and you're your team turns around. It happens every single playoff. And maybe that's right. what DeBoer was going for. Your fourth line pot's a crazy goal. That's what they right. wanted.
0: Anyway, then that energy, again, is something you can rely on. It's consistent. It may not be game-changing, but yeah. it is a positive. And I did want to add, too, though, that, and you alluded to this, Like, isn't this, uh, how Different? good did we have it that five years ago the, the, the debate was fuck Pete DeBoer. He's playing this guy (laughs) that gives us a 60% chance to win instead of Uh, the guy who gives us a 61% chance to win. (laughs) That was the debate back then, whereas now the argument is like, Boy, who does David mm-hmm. Quinn play? The guy that gives us a thirty-two percent, thirty-two percent chance yeah, to win, or yeah. the guy that gives us a thirty-two point five percent chance to win? Now it's like, <laughs> would Michael Haley be on be on our top line kind of thing? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: would Would have our points leader right now or something? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But We're fine. I'll,
0: I I did want to add some perspective on the on the game seven thing because actually it's, this is probably different than 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 uh, than than you're expecting, Jake, but. If you if you go back to to what happened, uh, uh, of course, with uh, Joe Pavelski, right, uh, his head hitting the ice and yep. his head basically, ble- you know, bleeding <laughs> from the head. I I I didn't I I don't know what what everybody else was thinking, like fans or media, but I thought like Joe could really really be hurt, like mm-hmm. like this could be something that I, just. You're not supposed to bleed from your head, <laughs> you no. know, after, after, even after you hit your head on the ice, you're not, that's not supposed to happen. Right. And so I was really worried about, about Joe to, to be honest and not because we're buddies or anything like that, but just because like, what did we just see on ice or did we just see something that is going to yeah, either irrevocably change a guy's career or even his life? And so, as as the goals were, were were being were pouring in on the major, that's how I was thinking of. I was trying to frame, I guess, what I was sort of seeing, but also with a with an eye toward this guy, uh, this player may have just really like had his life changed in, mm-hmm. in a serious and tragic, possibly. Way. And fortunately, it didn't get to that, right? joe yep. has come back and joe has scored 100 goals since then uh all not on the sharks uh mostly not on the sharks obviously because he left but uh but yeah so so but at that moment though um i i almost so it was almost actually like 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 surreal in the sense of it just was this juxtapos- uh, juxtaposition of of really contrasting things i guess i'll say were like I wasn't. Of course, I'm not a fan, but like, I recognize the the gravity of the moment in terms of the sports moment, right? The Sharks were down three to zero, and they've just scored four goals over five minutes, and this has never happened. And the building is crazy, and and it's literally it was shaking. The building was shaking, right? Uh, But with the other part of 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 uh, Joe Babelski might really, 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 really be hurt. Mm-hmm. And not just hockey hurt where he's going to come back, which he ended up coming back in, in a couple of weeks, but not just hockey hurt, but like life hurt. hurt. Yeah. Right. And so, 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 so the kind of the, the, uh, those two kind of, um, events happening at the same time made for, uh, a really, I guess, I guess, a, a challenging, uh, kind of a challenging time, I guess, if I put myself into the story since you asked, like, a uh, challenging time as a reporter on how to report responsibly and not just be like, rah, rah, the Sharks are winning when their captain who knows what, what was going on with them, right? So, yeah, so that's, mine, that's, uh, that's how I
1: remember that moment. Mine is way more lighthearted than that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I should have been thinking more about how Joe was doing. Um, I, uh, my ex-girlfriend um hated hockey like this is probably how I knew it was not gonna work out at the time um (laughs) she hated hockey and so I would watch hockey but I'd do it really quietly like I would you know I would have the tv on but it'd be on low I wouldn't be loud because she just didn't like hockey so um when that happened like when they scored the four goals and they and all that stuff um and LeBanc at the time like I just I love watching Kevin LeBanc when he was good at hockey um and like on top of his game so like i was going nuts like every goal i was like loud as i could be and like the last one where they like tied it up and i was just i like screamed like jumped off my couch then she comes out and she's just like can you be quiet (laughs) and i was just like right." right." (laughs) anyway this i i my current um love of my life she loves hockey so it's fine (laughs) and no disrespect no disrespect to my ex-girlfriend. It's, it's you know, it, was, it just didn't work out. And clearly it was because she didn't like hockey. But I always remember that, like, moment of me being just super pumped and then just, can you be quiet? <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, all right. This is it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't the reason. But, you know, mine's way more lighthearted. Happy Joe is, you know, still doing amazing and winding back father time every single shift. Mm-hmm. Man is an animal. And we're actually going to talk about that in a minute, too. Um, We have a Joe Pavelski uh, question later on. Anyway, it's enough rambling. Matthias893 says, thanks for all the hard work and good content. Um, Retaining salary on a contract for six years seems like a really bad idea. Um, That said, uh, we've seen some crazy aggressive moves with OEL, Suter, and Parisi buyouts. Would any teams be willing to make a hurdle with half retention trade? that is actually worth it for San Jose. I'd imagine almost everyone would love hurdle at $4 million AAV, but who would be willing to actually pay that price? Good question. You got an answer, Shane.
0: Yeah, um, I would say for sure that someone Mm -hmm. would take hurdle even with the extent of his contract at half AAV. I don't know if if they weren't willing to retain half on Eric Carlson though, I'm not sure why they would do that for a hurdle. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, this is Hasso's money, <laughs> not not yours or mine. Um, yep. So, anyway, yeah, for sure, some some somebody would um, would somebody give you the full value of, of hurdle, like kind of his like right now. I don't know about that. Still, I still think that you would still get diminished offers just because yeah, the AAV is great, but uh, it's for six more years, and he's gonna be thirty six, and a lot of teams are gonna shy away from that. Um, but sure. I think I think I think if you're willing to do that, that teams teams would be interested, and you probably would get a very good offer uh, sure. for him. Um, maybe very close to what his offer, like just his on the ice value, uh, something close to that right now. I, I that's that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Team team might take a chance, would take a chance. I would say.
1: Yeah, I just don't think the Sharks would. I mean, that that wasn't his question, yeah. but I I just don't think the Sharks would do it because yeah, just yeah, too, it just it's too long sense. of a yeah. of a retention slot, like right in the nhl and around what the sharks need to do it's just it's too long to to right. have that kind of thing lined up if they upped the retention slots to like five eh, maybe but
0: it's not also three. too i think that a part of it too is that four million per year on your cap uh, is even if the, the cap is rising that still is a pretty significant amount especially when maybe it doesn't matter in years one two three the retention when the sharks aren't very good but as we've sure. talked about a lot um, I believe the sharks have a plan to to try to be to try to clear cap space and try to be better sooner than later. And yeah. so to have a four million dollar uh, millstone when you're trying to be competitive isn't uh, is, 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 isn't 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 giving yourself uh, uh, the best chance to 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 be good. And again, once again, if they were willing to do it for Eric Carlson, where I think they had every reason in the world to do to to retain more, I don't see it with with Hurdle.
1: Yeah. But it would be. I think they would get a good good value for it. But if they didn't yeah, do it with yeah, Carlson, I, I don't. I don't think they'll do it with Hurdle. Yeah, just doesn't make sense to me. All right, Jenna B says, um, I remember myself and others being impressed with Felix Gagnon's performance at the rookie tournament. Um, he's looked good on a great K or QMJHL team. Um, he was injured January twentieth. Do you know if any of if the Sharks are still keeping tabs on him? Um, or are there any other CHL, NCAA, European free agents the Sharks Superior interested in, or, or ones that we're interested in? Um, thanks for doing the dog photo article I requested last year. It made me smile. Cool. Um,
0: yeah. So very number one, Jenna. Thank you so much for that suggestion. Uh, I really love doing it. Obviously, all I talk about is mushi, mushi, mushi. So, uh, so <laughs> I, I, I I appreciate a chance <laughs> to talk to the players about their dogs. And so I'll try to update that story as often as I can in the, in the coming years Um, in terms of a Daniel in particular, I'm sure they're keeping tabs on him, uh, but I don't have a particular sense if he's a guy that they're looking very, very close at Um, in terms. And then in terms of your other question about CHL, NCAA or European free agents, honestly, that's something that I got to, I got to look into uh, more. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and so uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Jen, if I, he learned anything I, 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 I I thanked you on Twitter for your suggestion. So you'll be the first to know if I if I learn anything on, on, on any on any of these sort of uh, free agents and no. ones that they're looking at. Um uh and yeah, so so that's something to to kind of uh, to to I need to keep digging on. I haven't looked looked into it too much to to be honest.
1: Yeah. The um the The Sharks used to have this, basically, when they were competitive. They would sign European free agents all the time. Um, And Mm -hmm. it does seem like maybe that's trailed off a touch. Um, Like,
0: Hmm. I don't know about that uh, because I'm just trying to do. They'd signed Pooley over the summer. Uh, I do. I do remember that that was a Doug Jr. Like, like strategy. They talked. He talked about it a lot uh yeah. don Skoy obviously was the, sure. the great shining example of a guy who worked even melker carlson Milker who was carlson. michael haley uh, michael haley unpopular at times but uh melker played a lot of big minutes for the sharks and was an indispensable part of the pk and scored mm-hmm. some big goals for them early on too and so for a guy that you sign as a free agent you can't argue with the value that that he brought uh, but then it sort of tapered off in terms of what the value that they got back from it later on guys like uh hand right
1: Anna mark lucas Radil, uh, okay. the real deal redil oh yeah the real deal well
0: they actually i would argue with Radil and even shimmick that they got a lot of value out of them the first year right sure. lucas scored and a lot of goals that that first year that uh he couldn't repeat the performance but he definitely and
1: anti Suomelo became uh you know alexander barabana right? yeah
0: yeah so. no, unattended but yes so,
1: <laughs> so i, I yes. yeah it, it just was interesting because they did have a lot of this kind of thing and i i I just don't think the organizationally they're in that kind of position to, to take that. They're trying to get and uh, in, in those situations, they're trying to get somebody cheap. That's unknown and trying to make them see how they can do in the NHL. But right now it doesn't really make sense because they're not they're trying to be competitive, I guess.
0: No, that's um, not true. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to give a guy's like that chances because they, they, if they pan out, right. Then you suddenly have yeah, a lot yeah. more value on your hands. Than you that's exactly what the sharks are doing. So, um, I do remember the the Kuzmenko one. I think mean, that's a big recent one. Uh I was told the Sharks weren't interested. And obviously you look at his production you're like, oh, that's crazy. Why weren't the Sharks interested? But then you see that uh Vancouver, he was in and out of the lineup. So there are questions about him. He's not uh, a no-brainer kind of kind of guy in, in your lineup, even if he can score thirty-nine goals like he did last year. Um, and so I, I feel like they are still in a conversation. We just uh you know, they just haven't they just haven't picked anybody up recently that has been um, I guess among the top guys for sure, but I, I can definitely see that that they can be in it in the coming years. They had uh what's his name last year um uh, Swiss uh, well, actually he had played in, in he, had, he had played for the Ottawa Senators already. Uh, oh, Max Max Verano, um who's not actually European but came from the European leagues. Um, so so they they've had they've had they've had guys uh, recently. they just haven't panned out. Um, they just haven't had a big success, I guess, at it since maybe arguably Shimmick in that one year when Shimmick, uh, was Brent Burns, partner, uh, since then it's been, it has been a rough going, uh, but they've tried guys. And so I expect that they will keep doing so, uh, just keep trying to plug in, uh, they have a lot of holes in their lineup, obviously. So they'll keep trying to plug it in. And like I said, Jenna, that's a great question. Uh, I wasn't able to, to, to dig too deeply on it yet, uh, but I will, and I will let you know.
1: I have a, um, I have an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the sharks are in a uh, kind of a uh, little bit of an organizational. Uh, Their depth, at goaltender isn't very good. Uh, this is a good have, suggestion. Yeah, yeah. So the top twenty goaltenders in the AHL in save percentage, uh, right? Every single one of them is. Owned by an NHL team or was at some point owned by an NHL team. 18 of them are currently owned by an NHL team, meaning their contract is with an NHL team, except mm-hmm. for one. The guy who has the second best save percentage in the AHL, who's 20 years old. 20 years old, Thomas Sakanic, who is a, a Czech-born goaltender, played in the WHL for a few years, um, played at the A favorite Junior of Liz. Child. A favorite of Liz's, who she brings up all the time. Um I I don't understand it right currently. He's on an HL only deal for the ducks. Um, I think he's got some sort of kind of like, this is all speculation, right? Some sort of back, Door thing where he plays in the AHL for the Ducks, and that's where he's playing his San Diego goals currently, where he has a nine thirty one save percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he will sign an NHL deal with the Ducks at the end of the year or something like that when the contracts make it's more possible. sense. Yeah, once it's once possible. the Ducks
0: have uh, have an extra contract slot or whatever. I don't I don't know the but, Ducks fifty contract situation, but
1: but currently they could force the Ducks hand and just say, oh, we're going to offer Kaminsky a, a contract because I don't think there's anything that that's preventing them from doing that in the current CBA. So. He's going to get an NHL deal because I don't 20 year old goaltenders, even though he's only like six, he's listed at six, two, but he's probably closer to six foot one. Um, you know, players don't just put up this kind of point or numbers and have this kind of track record going into pros and don't get signed, especially at 20 years old. So he's going to get signed. I would love for the Sharks to sign him because I've, I've loved him for two, three years now. So um, he's a great goaltender, even if he's a little bit wacky and a little bit wild. He's a great goalie. So and the sharks just need players. And we talked to Ryan Miller about this. You want a player who's instinctive and knows how to stop pucks like, and he does. <laughs> so he's proven that now at a professional level. So Thomas Sakanik is my answer. Sharks sign him. No, I don't know. Work, work your, work your magic shang and find out how to make them sign him. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my answer, Jenna, but thank you so much for the question. Um, all right. We have our next question here from Stephanie. This is an interesting one. I think you're going to have a a good answer for this one, Shang. Um, What role do you think the media can play in regards to whether a player leaves or stays in an NHL team? I imagine if the media refers to somebody being traded, it comes a foregone conclusion and that it can cause cause an effect of some sort. Interesting.
0: Yeah, this is a great question. And uh, for sure, it is possible that we can have a, a hand in that. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I think that's why players talk so much about about sort of uh, uh, um, uh zoning out the the media or not paying attention to to the media, and they and they shouldn't really. Of course, inevitably, your friends will say something to to you. A uh, family member might say something to you about something that I wrote or another media member wrote. But you also have to have to uh, you have to you have to overcome that kind of you 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 can't uh, you you can't take it to heart. And so if you are, if you are a player that that happens to, then there is some, some issue with that. Like um, I don't want to say it's just the player's fault that the player can't handle it. Because sometimes too uh, media, they can sort of make a whipping boy out of a player unfairly. Uh, uh, I'm not, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not perfect. I try to be unbiased and, and try to be objective. So I don't feel like I've done that to, uh, to a player. Well, Evander Kane might 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 say differently, but I I said stuff about Kane about different stuff, never about his on the ice play because he was a perfect player for the Sharks. But um, but I'm sure I'm sure there's examples if we dig that where it seemed like yeah the uh, this particular media member had it out for a player, just had it out for him, um, and was very very unfair to him, uh, 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 and that may have caused that player's exit. So anyway, uh, I think it's, uh, it would be naive to say that, that we have no role, but I, I I don't want to overstate to our influence too. Like it's the player's job to 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 overcome just all the things around them, right, including what uh, talking heads like me say or what the fans say and that sort of thing, right? And so that's most players, I think, are able to to do that and still succeed. That's how they get to the position that they're in as athletes, right? They have a lot of doubters. They have a lot of people saying crap about them. Growing up, uh, fans in the stands, uh, even in, in lesser leagues, uh, saying stuff about them that they have to overcome, and they do, and that's how they end up in the NHL. And so they're trained to kind of uh, to, to 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 kind of uh, be be stronger than their surroundings from uh, sure. from, uh, from 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 the get go. Um, so I, I think. I think, uh, I think a good example of sort of, of having that strength, right. Uh, and here's, here, here's a, a story from last year that I, I didn't uh, get, get to write is a guy like JT Miller in Vancouver. And we've seen some of the, the, the kind of the, I, I think a little wacky stuff that we saw about Miller last day, all love him this year. Right. But uh, the stuff they're saying about him last year, about how lazy he is and all that kind of stuff, people clipping videos of him uh, not, 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 not picking up, uh, or, or not stopping a goal from being scored, even though maybe it wasn't his man, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just kind of irresponsible, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, sort of. Uh, but that's that's the pressure cooker of Vancouver, right? That's sure. the pressure cooker of Toronto. That's the pressure cooker of Montreal. And so that's going to happen. You have to be able to overcome that, and a guy like Miller has. I actually remember asking David Quinn about this last year in relation to Tom Hurdle, because, of course, Hurdle did not have a great year last year, but he wasn't being raked over to the coals like a uh, JT Miller was. Imagine if, uh, if, if hurdle was in Vancouver, people will be clipping all the times that hurdle looked to the sky after he missed the chance or all the times that hurdle slammed his stick uh, after, after a play, uh, things that reflect on, on hurdles competitiveness. Yeah. But also things that aren't great examples of leadership for the younger players. And people could have, could have jumped on that. And, um i think uh i th- I, th- I think I, I i think uh so i i think that with with the miller you know miller had to overcome a lot and i asked actually asked quinn about about miller in particular and mm. quinn just basically said that on the record i didn't use it but but quinn just said on the record that like, that's bullshit how he's being treated up there and i think he had miller with uh, when he first started coaching the rangers and so it is different. Different markets mean different things. Now, as yeah. speak, speaking of hurdle in this market, um, could 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 we have focused more on some of that stuff? Yeah, I think we could have. But then, on I will say for myself, I don't know about the other reporters, but the Sharks were a bad team last year. They were losing in really frustrating ways, and I think that I think that hurdle has come back too, and he's bound, You know, I think if if this was a pattern that year after year hurdle was doing this kind of stuff, eventually at some point, yeah. Uh, We in the media have to have to address it. But last year was a tough year for the Sharks. And of course, it's a different kind of tough this year. But I think we have seen a better Tom Oshirto this year. And Mm -hmm. so um, anyway, though, yeah, so 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 going back to the original question, though, about sort of um, uh, how we affect things. Um, actually, a couple months ago too, I, I wrote a story about Kevin LeBanc and talked to Kevin. And I think it was in Toronto. And Kevin's trying to keep a keep a brave face. Everything going, he's been scratched for I don't know seven games or something like that. Right? Guys sure. get hurt. Mikhail Granlin gets hurt. He can't buy his way into the lineup. <laughs> um, and this is a guy, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, a playoff hero. So he scored fifty point over fifty points uh, uh, before. Still pretty young, twenty seven. And I I wrote a story basically saying, and it's not anything that I don't think I don't think he he does not know, but that the likelihood of him coming back is is very, very low, obviously. I mean, he read read the read the signs, right? Read the room, right? And so, but can something happen, a chain reaction where I don't think Kevin himself is reading an article or whatever, right? But someone uh, a family friend of kevin says hey this writer is is kind of saying that 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 sure. that, that that you're not going to be back and can i start a chain reaction kind of even subconsciously in a, in a guy said of course it can uh there's no there's no doubt about that right but how can i not write that though like every no one thinks kevin LeBanc is coming back uh next year i'd be i'd be flabbergasted i'd be shocked And Mm -hmm. I like Kevin, so it's not saying he should or shouldn't. I like Kevin personally. I've always had good dealings with him, and I think he is a very talented player. And I'll say it again, and you've said this before too, Keegan, I think, um, that it wouldn't surprise me if he does like a a Stefan Nason kind of turn and someone signs him at a low, low you know, minimum, and he's like a power play specialist, throw him on your fourth line. He pops in 30 points, mostly on a power play, and he has a role, though. He can help a winning team out. I I think that's possible for That's possible for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so, so it's not to say whether or not he should or shouldn't be back, but be shocked uh, if, if he was. And so, but someone might say something to him it might affect his play. Uh, but if it does though, again, that's part of the challenge of being a, a pro athlete. Um, for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, so I think to answer your question, so for sure it, it can happen. Uh, I don't know if, if necessarily, I can't think of too many cases where, where we as a media we create it that it's sort of self-perpetuating and it happens because we started the 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 ball kind of uh that's 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 a very different i mean you've got to have like massive influence to to do that you've got to be like stephen a smith or something like that to kind of get that to get that ball rolling right 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 and but those guys are national guys too so it's got to be like a uh, I, I mean, there's very few local guys mm-hmm. with that kind of influence, like maybe Michael Russo, Minnesota, if he sure. chose to use his influence that way, which I've never seen him use in that way. But anyway, yeah. that, that kind of thing, maybe that that can, that can happen, but it's very, very unlikely. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, though, yeah, like uh, I, I hope I answered your question. Well, I think it's a really good question and it's something for me to, to, to yeah. think about more. Uh, but uh, it's hard to answer concretely, but I hope I, I answered it in, in some kind of enlightening way.
1: And I know this, this, there's sorry, I don't have any evidence of this at all, but like stuff like the, you know, what we're gonna do with Vlasic or what, like the Martin Jones buyout. Like at some point, no, probably it wasn't the media saying you need to buy out Martin Jones, but it becomes this kind of like conglomeration of the fans are being like the goaltending's terrible. Why are we so bad? What are we gonna do about Martin Jones? And eventually, it happens. Not like and they make their own decisions. Obviously, management does, but. You know, it kind of can come together like that in an interesting way. So,
0: Right, right, right. And it was that, well, it wasn't the media that started I mean, we need to report that Martin Jones isn't playing well. We need to report that Thomas Schurdo, sometimes his body language isn't great, which I think I did allude to last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't make a big deal of it, but I, I, yeah, like it was mentioned. And so, so we have, we have to report. And if, if Martin Jones can't overcome it, and not to blame Martin at all for that. The Sharks defense around him was terrible. So, sure, <laughs> so you yeah, can't put yeah. it all on Martin. But uh, yeah. but if you can't overcome it, then what you know? What can we do? Uh, we have to report what we see. And same with Hurdle, right? With his body language stuff that we have to report it. We have to mention it. And if he overcomes it, which I think he has this year, kudos to him too. Um, so it's just part of sort of the part and parcel, I think, with, with the job mm-hmm. that, that these kind of sort
1: um, of... You always want to remain, you know... Speculative when you're you're clear that you're speculating and yeah you know sources when you're clear that they're sources kind of thing which is the hallmark of good journalism which you you practice all the time Shane
0: I try to so. <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's a brand new day here at the San Jose Hockey Now podcast we couldn't quite finish the mailbag on Friday as we had hoped so we're gonna wrap it up uh right now and so anyway let's uh go go ahead right back to uh finco right
1: mm-hmm. yeah so. Binco asks, uh, with Eklund back at center recently, could he follow a Joe Pavelski-like path, moving back and forth between like three center, two wing, hone those skill sets, eventually moving to two center, one wing in his prime, and combining his phenomenal hockey sense with a signature skill like Pav's tips. Uh, They're very different players with different backgrounds, but Pavelski represents one of the most interesting homegrown development paths I've seen out of this organization. And I wonder if Eklund can finally find success in a similar way. That's Yeah, I think
0: it's yeah, very interesting. I think it's certainly possible. Uh, you're right about Eklund being very very smart. And I think mm. the big question with Eklund will be if his body can develop um, just enough strength. I mean, he has developed more strength and it's a passable amount of strength for the NHL. But long-term to play at center though, I think he's going to need a little bit more, especially if he wants to Banged down defensively and down low, and that kind of stuff, right? Stuff that uh, Joe Pavelski does, stuff that uh, Mikhail Granlund does. I think that's a, I think we've talked a lot about that. That's a very good model for uh, Eklund to follow. Uh, shorter, but stockier guy in Granlund that has been able to, uh, to, to, uh, to thrive in the Angel as a center, in part because he can battle. Um, and, and Eklund at this point can survive in battles now in NHL in, in the toughest, he can survive in the toughest areas, but he's not winning a lot of battles yet, I think. And Granlund does win a few more battles. And so I think that's going to be sort of the big challenge. I think Eklund is probably smart enough. The adjustment from, from wing to center, um, at least as we saw in, in his recent sort of uh, trial, is not too great for him. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's going to be a big question. And if he doesn't quite get strong enough, then wing will be a better place to sort of hide that. Um, and so, yeah, of course, he's only 21. So, so there's a good chance that he'll be able to.
1: Yeah, it's not a it's not a bad um, idea. Uh, Sharks could be somebody that could move up and down, like center to wing kind of thing. Um, I don't know it's they they seem like just such different players in general even though both are very smart like you said uh it's hard for me to imagine someone like like paz just because the the play style is so much different between the two sure um but yeah i understand the the sentiment for sure and i do agree he does need to get stronger before he can like full-time take over center or um or anything like that so but he's still 21 and um yeah i like the question thank you vinco all right, Dylan Smallwood has two questions. Um, the first one is, um, with the signing of Gavanka, why would the Sharks trade for Addison? Um, later round picks of historically low percentage of making the NHL, and that's what we traded for for Addison. Um, Gavanka never even got a shot in the NHL, and Addison hasn't looked good, um, to paraphrase. <laughs> Scratching Addison, giving him a bottom, bottom pair of minutes, and not giving Gavanka a chance seems like an interesting organizational move. Hmm.
0: Well, uh, Addison, even if Addison has looked, in your words, terrible. I don't know if he's looked quite terrible, but yes, I agree that he has not been uh, quite good. And I just wrote an <clears throat> article Projecting if the sharks are healthy by this Wednesday, the first game out of mm-hmm. the break, and they're going to have nine defensemen, including the um, uh, the Jacob uh, Jacob McDonald hype train, uh, nine healthy defensemen, yep. and so something's got <clears> to <throat> give there, and so I think it's possible that Addison could get waived, uh, also maybe McDonald, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, though, so I don't think he's been he's, he's been great by by any stretch either, but. Addison's better than Kavanka, so that that's that's a big part of it, and um, yeah, it would have it would have been nice uh, to 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 see Kavanka get some time, and it's mm-hmm. possible that um, if he had waited until the trade deadline, that he would have got that opportunity, but he didn't want to wait. Maybe. You know mukum getting called up over him at that particular uh, instance. Uh, maybe, maybe that was sort of a, a nail in the coffin kind of thing. And just in the sense of like, well, you know, I have better numbers than this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and so why why is he getting? I don't. I have no idea. I haven't spoken with Leon or his agent uh, about the departure. But we kind of knew that the sort of the, the writing was on the wall when he he just didn't get a shot the whole year, right? Even though he's produced, and the and the Sharks are so we're so much in need of a sort of a power play quarterback type. Um, and so anyway, but regardless though, Addison is, is better than, than, than Gavanka. And at least that's how the organization sees it. Gavanka may prove differently in the years to come, but look, everybody watched Gavanka in the AHL this year, right? They weren't getting any offers for him. It's not like the, no one picked them up off of waivers. Right. And so, I mean, that's, that's telling in itself that uh, as Good as he was offensively, no organization thought enough of him to to take a chance on him for free on waivers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, um, I think so. I think that's a sort of long and short of it. So you mentioned the late round pick, right? Those are we talked about. They're pretty disposable. I know, I know that if you if you waive a, a a Addison man, a fifth round pick, oh my god! But I think that fifth round picks in twenty twenty six. So you're gonna you're gonna get that back by the next couple of years. Um, same thing goes with Jack Stanica. And so I think they are sort of they are they are what, what what they were. They're they were um from the beginning, they were low risk and I wouldn't even call it high reward, but uh low low risk gambles with with some reward if Addison shapes out to be a better round of yeah. defenseman than he's shown uh, in his career, or Jack Sanica turns out to be a, a solid uh four C or three C one day or something like that, right? Those are, those are, those are decent gambles to take on young, uh, talent, but yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, I, I so I don't know. I don't just don't think, I don't think it's a big deal.
1: <laughs> so I think, um, it's a little hindsighting and, the and the question a little, because at the time we needed, um, somebody who could move the puck and Addison probably is, um, probably second in the sharks in points by defenseman sure. or something like that. So we needed somebody like that. There was nobody and they that really was, didn't want
0: to give Ivanka that shot. Right. They just didn't see enough. They
1: uh, didn't see it. Obviously. And, yeah. and again, nobody else claimed him again. And he wasn't getting a shot for however many years. He was um, in the, uh, what was he at the Manitoba Moose for, for a while?
0: Manitoba Moose. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the so Jets he never got a,
1: he never got a shot there either. So I don't know. It, I think it was just the writings on the wall with, with his play a little bit. And, and it was a good thought. Um, and I do wish he would have got like one game to try and see if he could somehow make a run of it, <laughs> score like three one, goals, score three goals. I don't know goals, age, to Gordie like, Howe hat trick or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: Dominique Lavoie. So as an old time reference, but um, but yeah, but it, it, but yeah I,
1: it was. It's a little hindsight. What I'm trying to say is, I think um, even at the time, most fans were like, "Oh, Addison's a great pickup because he's youngish. He can move right, the puck." He, Forty points for, in
0: like ninety games with the uh, yeah. with with the Wild, right? Yeah, so. so
1: it's it's still it was a good gamble. I mean, I don't think it's worked out like I think you're saying. It's it's he hasn't looked amazing at all. Um, the team hasn't
0: helped around him, so so but like, he's still young, and
1: I think tricks. it's uh, I think it's um, it was a worthwhile pickup for sure, and I had no problem with it, given where the Sharks were.
0: Um. So I think the other part about Addison too is, yeah, it doesn't, like you mentioned, doesn't look great in hindsight, but you need, you want your GM to be taking shots on talent like this, uh, low, low, low risk shots. And of course, ideally you could, you know, it would be nice to just pick somebody off of waivers like Mikey AC Mont and not give up anything for him, but that doesn't always work out though. Um, sometimes if, if you wait your term in waivers um, you're not going to get that guy or, um, somebody is going to pony up just a little bit more, like Addison. Maybe somebody was willing to give up a six-round pick. And sometimes it doesn't work out, at least immediately, like it hasn't with Addison or Stanika. But sometimes it does work out, like Mackenzie Blockwood, right? The Sharks gave up a six-round pick for him. Maybe there's a team that was – there's probably a team that was willing to give up a seven. And so the Sharks mm-hmm. are like, no, 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 no. Let's let's let, let Let's conserve our – Late round picks again, late, late, late round picks. Um, then you lose out on that sort of that lottery ticket, right? And so, if you have one guy like a Blackwood that works out, I think that's hell, that's that's worth it. You take three shots, one one ticket works out. I'm just talking about right now, just Blackwood, Seneca, and Addison. I think, I think that's pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, gambling for my career. I don't know. That's that's my, 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 my opinion on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, uh... It's a good gamble. It's something he's going to keep doing. It's it's something that Greer has done for two years now, is this, this kind of low-risk gamble, and then try to turn it around for, for something profitable, so... Smart yeah, moves. and that's
0: what you should you should do as a as a rebuilding club. I, I uh I think and I understand if you give up a, a premium pick, like a second round pick for Aiden Hill, uh even a third for for Cunning. it's not I don't know if there's quite a premium sure. pick, but still that's a decent, decent high price. So uh so if there's more belly aching about that, then I understand that. But fifth, sixth, we talked about mm-hmm. like you you will recoup that you yeah. it's you can trade if you like a guy in a sixth round of prospect a lot, you can you can you can trade for it for a pick with somebody <laughs> to, to get that that prospect. So um anyway.
1: Yeah, and we already have the graphic up for Dylan Smallwood's second question here, yes. which is um <laughs> basically we had a um we've had questions on a hurdle trade with retention, um, and if hurdle or well, the sharks really are gonna trick be uh parting ways in the summer, but this question's kind of like he doesn't really see um, salary retention given the cap rising, mm-hmm. um, and uh, where the sharks are with their their um, two uh, slots already um, taken up by ret- retention. So, what's a potential um, trade for for hurdle without retention? And uh, that's an interesting question.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Um... So you might be right. Uh, I was talking with somebody about it. I think I alluded to it in the last podcast, and I need to kind of dig, dig in on it more. But somebody uh, uh, told me that they thought that the Sharks wouldn't necessarily need to uh, need to, to retain on Hurdle. They might have taken on a bad contract mm-hmm. or two. Uh, A-law, the, the Carlson uh, trade, where they traded off 40 years of Carlson's contract, most of that bad contract or not so great contract. And they took on one, two years of Hoffman, Ruda and, um, and Granlin. And so mm-hmm. we got six with hurdles. So yeah, maybe the sharks take back three, I don't know, take back two, who knows. Right. So that that's possible. Sure. Um, however, though, uh, how high a return is that? Of course, right. Uh, when you look at the Carlson deal, um, they got the first round pick for taking on the bad money. It wasn't, I mean, Carl Carlson was a part of it, but uh, to say that, that they got a first round pick for Eric Carlson is disingenuous. <laughs> it's good marketing by Mike Reard, <laughs> if, if anything. Um, but it's, that's not totally accurate, for sure. Uh, you're not getting a first unless you take, you're taking on those contracts from Montreal and from Pittsburgh. Um, and so, sure, you can get something like that, I suppose, if you take on a pile of bad contracts for, for a hurdle. Um, sure. I think uh, retention, obviously, will, will help. I think, though, it's a little different, though, if we're talking Carlson and Hurdle, though, of course, though, because Carlson was coming off a Norris Trophy year, a game changing year. And so maybe that's why Kyle Kyle Dubas would would take a swing on that. Thomas Hurdle, Mm -hmm. uh, even though he's had a bounce back year, very good player. Um, I think can be a, a sort of a game changer in, in the right role with the right people around them. Right. Uh, but not at uh, Eric Carlson kind, kind of level. And so I, I, there, I think there are questions about how many teams are willing to take a swing, even though, yes, he has a center, but that's six years of a guy for $8 million. That's, that's uh <laughs> see, see, see my face. I think mean, that's, that's how GMs would kind of look at it too. Like eh, six years. <laughs> that's, that's a yeah. long time. And so it's not obviously it's not like Hurdle signed his contract uh, in his 20s uh, or I'm sorry, he did sign in his 20s. But it's not like he's in like his like mid 20s right now. And so it's six more years and, and 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 you have a few more years in his 20s. Uh, he has crossed 30. He's going to be, I think, 36, 37 when the deal is over. Um, so it's it's not it's not the same kind of kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, so to answer your overall question. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I it might be possible to trade it without retention, but I don't know how much you're expecting, and you're gonna have to take some 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 junk back, some stuff that that, that that you won't like uh, for, for for a couple of years at least, if not more. Um, because again, if you look at uh, uh, Carlson, it was one two years of contracts for four hurdles six, so that's you might have to take on a little more. You might have to take on a Jack Campbell or something like that. I think we might bring him up later. That's like what three more years after this year right so something like that yep. right yep. To, to make something some something something like that work um, one other part of uh, what you mentioned the rising salary cap, i just was interested so so we kind of looked it up um so hurdle right now is aav is 8.1375 million and of 83.5 million that's roughly 10 percent or something like that mm-hmm. uh cap friendly has uh, estimate of the cap rising 92 million in 2025-26. And what is that equivalent? And that's still the equivalent of uh I think that's about like eight percent of of 92 million, something rough in, in that thereabouts region or 8.7% sure, sure. or something like that, right? Anyway, uh so that's still a seven million dollar player uh this year if you if you if you bring if you bring that eight point seven percent uh, uh a figure of the salary cap into uh the current uh the current cap. So that's still a pretty expensive player. Um I think we looked up uh uh comps were like Anders Lee who's not having a great year but other guys maybe Landis Cog but of course Landis Cog is injured. Uh everyone's favorite Mark Edward vlasic <laughs> So anyway though it's still it's still a pretty pricey contract. But it's a good point you make though that if, I think uh, the other part of it, too, is that if, a hurdle has to keep it up. You know, you have this um, the, sort of, the, as they say, uh, time is undefeated. And mm-hmm. so you have the competition between a uh, uh, $8 million player or even the equivalent of a $7 million player versus his advancing age. And so hurdle is definitely being back this year. I do believe that very strongly, even if the points aren't, aren't quite there. I think that's more yep. because of his bad team, which we've talked about, but, uh, can he do that next year? Can you that the year after that? And can he keep, keep doing that? And, um, that's going to be a, a, a question that other teams, they'll, they'll have to ask themselves. Like, do we think that if we make this trade for Tomas hurdle this summer? Yeah. You know, we might feel pretty good that we're going to get, um, a first line, second line caliber Tom Schrute for the first couple of years of, of the remaining six years, but it, but if, if he's going to be a a, a millstone um, a anchor in four or five years, who really had to think about it then? And so I th- I think yeah I, I think I think that that makes it hard to say that um uh, the kind of return that the, the Sharks will, will get.
1: These kind of things are funny because like the f- moment that Elias Lindholm is traded to um, Vancouver, right? Like all their fans on the message boards are like, how do we resign this guy to blah, bitty, blah, 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 And it's like, <laughs> well, you, okay. So that you're, you're, I don't know. The fans just love acquiring UFAs and then signing them to massive contracts. But when you have a massive contract, fans hate the fact that you might, or like hate the idea of acquiring a massive contract. And it's very funny to me um, because, you know, Elias Lindholm, late 20s. He's scoring just about the same as Hurdle this year. Um, I don't know. It, it just it makes me giggle every time. Um, Hurdle's a great player. He's going to be a great player probably for at least a couple more years, three, four years, hopefully. Um, and I think teams that uh, can buy low on that and have the space and, 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 yeah, can pitch some bad contracts, I think the team should do that. But whether or not they will is another question. GMs are kind of afraid of the cap, but maybe that changes with it coming up a little bit um like you said so i don't know i um i I do think if if it comes to uh we get some articles out in the summer that's like hurdles wanting to leave san jose kind of thing that a deal like the carlson trade makes the most sense so something where we take back bad contracts when a
0: guy wants to leave too like um he's not quite seen as again carlson will come off a norris trophy
1: yeah and
0: yeah. uh so you might get something closer to a Brent Burns trade.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe.
0: And Hurdle, I believe, yeah, does does have uh, a number of protections. Uh actually I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta look up like what his exact protection it's is. Probably like, he has the, the typical the yeah three team trade. So that's what Burns had. And so yeah, um it's it's hard to say. I think I think if if you're to ask my perception of the player right now, uh, at the time of the trade, that is to say, okay, Hurl has a no move, by the way, right now, so they totally had to go go to him. Yeah. Um, uh, which- three, what is this? Oh, okay, I'm sorry, it's a three team trade list in in, uh, in between 2025 to 2027, 28, and in the last two years is a 15 trade list, which is interesting. 15-team uh, trade list the last two years of his contract. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, if you're to ask the overall kind of how the league perceives them, obviously Carlson just won a Norris Trophy, so yep. even though his contract was bad, okay, there's a Norris Trophy winner right there. Uh, Brent Burns was still considered I think a top four defenseman, but maybe fading a little bit, but still a top four defenseman. I think Hurdle kind of is in between. In between those sort of uh, those sort of places. So, um, uh, so maybe taking on because the Sharks didn't really have to take on any, any bad contracts with the Burns trade at least. And they had to retain quite a bit, but they didn't take on any bad contracts. And so Mm -hmm. maybe the Sharks retain a little bit like they did with Carlson. I don't, I don't think actually I don't know if that'll happen obviously with that only spot left, but anyway though. um, So hurdle might be a little in between uh, uh, those kind of, those kind of values. uh, Sure. Uh, on, on, on the open market, but anyway, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't think that the sharks will get a, 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 a strong return for hurdle right now. And I'd be surprised, um, um uh, at least directly for hurdle. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see about that, but
1: yeah. And it's not like if, when hurdle was signed to that contract, if he hit the open market, he might get around 8 million at that point anyway. yeah 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 but a team would have had to nothing so
0: right 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 so
1: yeah okay chris braun has two questions um we've covered this a little bit but it's it's basically if there's a willing trade partner for hurdle do you believe trading him would be the better for the sharks in the long term so Mm -hmm. we've we've covered with without retention whether or not they won trade hurdle and then is it the right thing to do all right. Okay, well,
0: he, he, so Chris specifically says if a Parker is willing to take on his full contract, yes. and my guess is that there's a good chance that it would not be worth trading for him because you're not going to get a significant enough return. Um, so there's not a lot of teams that, even with the rising cap, that are going to absorb $8 million for six more years. Uh, and so in that case, if the return is low, then Hurdle does provide a ton of value on the ice, obviously, off the ice, obviously, and of course, we talk uh, on the mm-hmm. ice. It's underrated his impact on lines, on younger wingers like a Zetterlin, mm-hmm. like a Eklund, or on proven ringers, like a guy like Bonoff as we saw a couple years ago. Even Jacob Peterson last year put up a bunch of points next to, not coincidentally, Thomas Scherdo. And so, so he he has a, a, a ton of value in uh in that way and so if someone's gonna be like hey we'll take on the entire contract no retention no strings but we'll give you like a third round pick uh maybe you do it because that that alleviates a huge burden off your cap i mean you probably do or at least you think hard about it but uh but if the offer isn't great then you know if you're not getting a first round pick back somehow or a Mm -hmm. top prospect. And of course, I think you only do that. You only get that if you're taking on a ton of other bad contracts too with it. Right. Uh, But if you're not getting something like that back, um, you know, I think hurdle is very, very valuable as he has shown this, this year. And there's a chance he can be part of your next good team. And even if he isn't, there's a, he, he, he has a clear value to a rebuilding team that, that I think we've seen this year.
1: I I think it, you're you're right. If you're not getting more, if you're not getting a good trade return unless um, I I don't know. I do like Hurdle, and I think he's still got value, even if he does move down the lineup in his later years. So you build around Hurdle as like a a very solid forward, while you have upcoming talent um, mm-hmm. that are more offensively gifted, um, hopefully. Um, so I'd keep him. If it's going to be yeah. a crap return, unless if unless he doesn't want to stay anyway, then it's just like a Brent Burns situation where you, you do the best for him and send him somewhere right. without retention. And then you're
0: not going to get a lot back though. Yeah. So yeah, if he's burns yeah. out then a lot of control kinda, of his destination,
1: then you just kind of write it off and say that, you know, you're doing the best for a player that was in the sharks uniform for like 10 years. So yeah, Chris Brown has a second question, which what is your best guess as to which defensemen are on the roster after the break, assuming everyone is healthy as expected. Oh yeah, there's nine of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just put out an article article on that. Um, so uh I think uh yeah, I, I had a guess of perhaps and they've already sent Mukumudulin down. Yep. And so my my guess is uh Addison or McDonald getting waved. That'd be my guess. But um you know, I've projected McDonald getting waved since uh the offseason and he has survived. And good for him too. I, I like his game, I like Jacob, and so yeah, uh, I you alluded to. I think you alluded to um, that maybe there could be a trade partner for for McDonald. I uh, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's over. Over like, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not like a Kevin with bank trade or something like that, which I would pretty mm-hmm. much rule out. But it's also not he's so valuable that for sure he's going to sure. get a, a trade. But maybe, um, and so that'd be one way to alleviate that situation too uh, to get anything for for jacob maybe a late pick uh, you know you can recoup your uh your jackson nika that's an investment you're lucky right so um so yeah uh so so that 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 would be my guess uh but uh one thing i'll add though is that um um speaking with with all the sharks yesterday who are coming coming back from injury granlin ferraro thrun um uh, who else? I talked to somebody. Oh, Emerson too. Uh, miss, missed the game there. Uh, Thrun seemed the least confident, in my opinion, that that he would mm. be back immediately. He was. He talked a lot about. I. I didn't put it too much in my. I probably should have uh, into my story, but he talked a bit about needing to to adjust to what he can do and can't do. Um, I believe he has a shoulder injury, and mm. so he was on the ice for this scrimmage, right? But it wasn't. Uh, it was the Sharks' first practice back, but it wasn't like a. a, a uh, hard practice. I don't know if there's any contact. I don't think there was. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see if Thrun is back for like full contact practices because then his shoulder is going to get hit. And then uh, like he said, he has to figure out what he can and can't do with uh, with, with his injury. And so that sounds like a guy that uh, maybe, maybe sits a little bit longer, which then uh, will... Well, uh, we'll, we'll solve the sharks' problem for them, which has happened all season. Every time we think, oh, sharks have to wave somebody, um, pretty much every time that we we, we thought that they did, of course, end up waving a, a shimmick and and Kinesh off. so it's not like they've waved uh, zero veterans uh, this year, but for the yeah. most part, every, every time we thought that was going to come to a head, someone got hurt,
1: <laughs> basically. And that's
0: where. Yeah, that's part of the reason why Jacob McDonald's been one of those guys that's been hurt too. But that's one of the reasons why, just using McDonald as an example, he he has he he has survived uh, for so so long. So anyway, so I think uh, I, I could see Thrun maybe sitting out a little a little bit longer, a week too. Right? There's no reason if he's a little banged up to 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 push it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So in that case, that that will that will solve a little bit of that of that roster logjam. I'm actually more curious what happens at forward because they look a little bit healthier at forward, and um, yeah, they have uh, they have 15 healthy forwards possibly by Wednesday. And so read the article and <laughs> and uh, you can see what I think about that.
1: Love it. Yep. Let's go on to um, the next question by um, Jiggles. Jiggles. It's a very. Bear- very good name. While it's hard to project out at this point into the offseason, what are some realistic free agent or trade targets that fit the mold of what Greer might be looking for this offseason? Not necessarily to go after said player, but what's an archetype or a baseline of what we could expect the Sharks to go after? Good question.
0: Yeah. And uh, Mike has been uh, pretty consistent about this, saying this since uh, uh, since he's been hired. I will say last offseason, he may have gone off script a little bit in the players that he acquired because I think he just was taking on uh, contract dumps and kind of considering more like the upside of of, of these players, guys like Hoffman and Duclair maybe. Mm -hmm. And anyway, though, Mike said uh, this. He said this at the most recent state of the Sharks, and he said things like this all the time. And so I think these are players that he wants and uh he's the quote is big fast competitive he's asked the identity of, of the sharks uh mm-hmm. that he wants and so big fast in your face hard to play against that's a team that i think we as a staff we kind of envision we're kind of chipping away at that we're not there yet obviously and so i think of guys like uh sturm um they, i think they hope cunning would be one of those guys And Mm -hmm. so guys, guys like that, I think are more along the lines of where they, they think they are still Um, guys that will keep the the sharks in the games and keep them playing hard and like, you know, hard to play against that, that cliche, but not necessarily uh, going to break the bank, not going to require five-year contracts, five-year commitments, because that's not where the sharks are as an organization Mm -hmm. and just basically keep things afloat for a couple of years as the sharks keep trying to continue to build build at uh, or continue to shepherd along young prospects to take over uh, and to star uh, for for the Sharks in the coming years.
1: Yeah, and he also mentioned specifically, um, we're not going to give out long contracts to guys in their 30s kind of thing. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well? that
0: Breer said that. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So I think I think we have a type. I think, uh, you know, short term, like a trade for a guy like Cunningham, but then trying to do a short term contract uh a a signing of a guy like stir like stir maybe a, a year longer than you want um sure. or a year longer than other teams would offer but um it's i think i think that's definitely worked out for 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 the sharks but i think that type of t- a player matt benning uh is more ideal i did mention hoffman and duclair i think partly that was just guessing because uh, those guys don't necessarily fit the hard to play against mode, to be honest, uh, even though Declair is fast, but mm-hmm. I think they were hoping for a little more goal scoring and the likelihood w- was that they, 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 they will trade if they can uh, uh, both of those guys. So I think, I think that that's, that's what they were. So there, I think that was maybe uh and also I know that they, they, they made an offer to Tarasenko, which also doesn't quite fit that mold, but sure. um, I think that one again. Those are those are all sort of well. Uh, they don't quite fit that mold, but let's uh, uh, let, let's try to get what 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 we can get for those guys. Let's let's take let a, cam- a gamble there. Um, I think you know. I think again, if wants at hindsight, the DeClaire deal, um, you know, DeClaire hasn't been great for the Sharks. He hasn't quite worked out quite the way the Sharks hoped, but they they took a, I think a very again hindsight is easy at the time. Uh, I think most people thought that was a, a very reasonable, very good deal. They took a, a, a bigger contract and declare off of some team's hands, a guy with 30 goal potential for sure. a fifth round pick and a, 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 excellent, but still a fourth line guy and Steven Lawrence. And so I think that's a trade that, that, that you would still make uh, every day pretty much. Um, but I do wonder though, and this is a, a summer thing, but uh, so the first summer of, of of Mike as GM, there definitely was a focus on that specific kind of player. And that mm-hmm. was pretty much the only guys the Sharks acquired were guys that they thought would fit that mold Whether they succeeded in that or not. You know, that's another thing, yeah. right? Guys like Lindblom. But I think that was all the mold of the guys that they're trying to get consistently uh whereas mike i think did veer off of it a little bit this off season and the results have been even worse less competitive <laughs> even <laughs> if they've acquired more talent over the summer right more goal scoring yeah. talent so i wonder if if this summer will be a, a focus back on let's just get the players even if we're not a high scoring team let's just get the players that are are, are going to grind and and, and play an yep. honest game and all that kind of stuff so
1: my uh my name for those kind of players. Cause there's, you know, you've heard of like Johnny football. Who's uh, mm-hmm. you know, a specific player, Johnny hockey. Um, it's Mikey hockey. It's a guy that <laughs> <Mikey Hockey. laughs> yeah, named after Mike Greer himself. That's the name of those players. So you want to get Mikey hockey, hockey. greasy hockey. Yeah. Um, you want to get that kind of player. I, I think that's what he's probably going to go after. And I, I do think maybe they're going to try and find one. Like, mid to late twenties player that they think could be a cornerstone for the future mm-hmm. in some way. Um either that's on offense or defense. I think they're gonna try and yeah. find one this offseason. Hmm. That's
0: interesting. We'll, we'll see. We'll talk more about that. It sounds like a great future episode.
1: Yeah. Um oh I'm gonna I'm gonna spell is or miss say his last name unless you know how to say it. Um Alex's last name? Dude, our our buddy
0: Alex G so <laughs>
1: Alex G Kenan Dinick. Kennedy. You know
0: is <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty good. That sounds about right.
1: <laughs> um there's a lot of questions in here. I'm just going to yeah, you know what? We we're at the end of the episode Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um it's kind of a uh what's a some mock trades basically. Um he mentioned trading Kakanin to New Jersey. Um, or CAC and our to Toronto, retaining 50% on Grandland to get a first. He, he basically trying to find a way to get a bunch of firsts or a bunch more cash yeah, capital the, the, from the, our the guys. The first
0: question here kind of summarizes it. Uh, how would mm-hmm. you squeeze out the most first and second round picks uh, from the players that we have to trade, right?
1: Have to is an interesting statement there, too. That's true. There's, yeah, there's...
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know
1: if we have to trade any of those players, but I don't know. I I um I think there could be some sort of goalie trade where you take... Um, a goaltender that's struggling that makes a big cap hit, and you give them Capo and um, in exchange for that big cap hit, yeah. Um, but then
0: you're getting the first for the cap, it which is fine, basically. Yeah, like it's just play, it's classic, wanna, yeah. But the, <laughs> the Sharks want to take on three years of Jack Campbell, uh, Maybe. three more years after this year. And considering what they do with the Eric Carlson trade, where they specifically took on contracts, uh, with uh. Mm-hmm. Right now, only a year left at most, right? Ruda and Granlin. And so do they want to, unless they really like Campbell, they think Campbell can be a solution. Um, sure. I'm not sure if that fits their, their plan. Uh, because like we talked about, um, 2025, 20, 26 might be when they're hoping to really start coming out of, of, of this and, and make a little bit of noise and be a little bit of a threat. Not necessarily make the playoffs, but just kind of be in that conversation. And mm-hmm. committing 4.5 million is that Campbell's cap hit, I believe, uh, for the next three years is somebody that they don't believe in. Um, uh, I, I don't know if they would do that, but that would get them a first, though. I just don't know if, if they would do that. Anyway, to answer uh, Alex's overall question, um, I think if they did retain 50% on the a they could be able to pull, pull, pull that kind of, uh, 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 that kind of, re- it's possible. But again, though, uh, they have one retention spot. Um, I, don't, I think they're low to kind of give up flexibility. And I, I, I would imagine that retention spot goes for a player that has expiring contract this year. Uh, grease mm-hmm. the wheels for a Kakinen a Duclair, a Hoffman to go. Um, but even the Sharks were to retain on that and, and, and have the summer flexibility of having that retention spot open back up again. Uh, I yeah. don't think that's going to get them a first-round pick. Um, so I think they could get a first if they, so I think they could get a first if they trade a Kakanen and take back a, a Campbell or they can mm-hmm. get a first, if they retain 50% on the ground that like they could, I don't think they'll do either of those things though. Um, and then, and then your, your direct suggestion of Kakanen to New Jersey, uh, to bump good They're not going to get a, I don't think New Jersey's going to give you a, a, a conditional no. first, uh, uh, Maybe Stanley, but Kemper got that, but Kemper has a lot more track record than, uh, than, than Kakanen. So yeah. I think I would guess the best you get is maybe like a third and a conditional second. If you win a Stanley cup, this is my guess. Um, I do think, oh, you do mention Ferraro. And so, yeah, so that would be the one sort of a uh, direct trade that doesn't take a lot of sort of, uh, sure. uh, gymnastics um that might get that might net you that first but that's that's a that's a maybe i think yeah so that's a pretty big maybe so okay so i would rank that the 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 three options we mentioned for the shark skating first round picks uh in likelihood the light like, the most likely is just train all straight out yep uh number two i think is taking uh is uh, retaining on granlin because that's what 2.5 million so it, that's that's not an upsetting uh, amount to retain each year. I do think the Sharks want to retain their flexibility, like I said. So I find that unlikely. And the last one is taking back a contract of, say, Campbell's length. Um, if it's like a Samsonoff, it's, it, that's expiring, but that's then that's, you know, Kakadin's contract that's also expiring. So I'm not sure. Leafs aren't going to give you a here's first the, for that. They don't need it. They don't need it. Yeah, here's
1: the, here's the deal with the Leafs, though. You mm-hmm. trade you trade Ferraro and Kakinen for Brody and Samsonov um, from the Leafs. You, you basically alleviate a lot of their cap situation. Sure. Yeah, they can, and they can you use get, that
0: space to trade for somebody else, right? Yeah, so and
1: sure. you get a And you get a first because you're giving them Ferraro and Kakinen mm-hmm. So you're, you're basically the two areas of their game that they're trying to improve. And they put out a recent, or Friedman put out a thing that said that they're willing to trade their first-round pick. Um, they're trying to improve their defense, become more physical. They're trying to improve their goaltending. You say, hey, I got a solution for both and you give them and you still get Samson off back who, you know, is not the, the vaunted goalie was two years ago, but you know, he he's could 26, definitely have,
0: you know, play well and repair his value yeah. very quickly though. He's um, young. He's young yeah. He's still um, young-ish, yeah
1: so. so you get him to, to try out the end of the year with the Sharks and see if he does like, you know, go well in net with Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, and Brody's just kind of like the throwaway piece to get the cap to balance, but right. um, that's right. I, I honestly if if Greer wanted to trade Ferraro, I think that's how he could do it to get a first and maybe some extra assets. Right, so.
0: but I would argue that still fits in with the Ferraro being the lynch. That still ties in more. To yeah, the absolutely. Of, a Ferraro being sort of the the linchpin, uh, and that but also help to take on. Yeah, Brody has uh, five million AAV and he's expiring at the end of the year. So okay, that's perfect. Um, and then Samsonov is also expiring. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that, that could, that could happen. Yeah. Something like that. I, I, uh, I, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is, um, is all that worth it? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, um, I mean, Toronto's and also, first
0: could be a first that, uh, as you know, given their, their playoff history, that could be a, a pretty good first. A pretty- yeah, It
1: could be like 24 <laughs> yeah. or something. You know?
0: oh, but maybe higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: I'm, uh, yeah, 18, that's a great 19. <laughs> I just really hope that Kakanen, um, Pulls the old uh Russian spy thing and like yeah, the Russian, but he just like he tanks their, their playoff hopes, you know? Um but anyway, I think that'll be um I, I don't know. I, I just don't see Greer t- trading Ferraro. I think we've talked about it a lot and I just we don't have, yeah. I just don't know. I, he's everybody's mentioned how much they love Ferraro and other than that, uh, the rumor nationally that Ferraro might be available, I just I don't know, I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it'll be tempting if he if he if he can swing swing up first and not yeah. have to take on any. Again, you know, if you're taking on Brody and Samson, those are all expiring contracts, so it's so. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so though those aren't those aren't those those You know, you, you can stomach that for for this year for sure. Um,
1: so yeah,
0: yeah, I I I I, I think.
1: It's possible, I guess. But.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I'm trying. I got to think about who else is available on defense, too, if, if that's what the Leafs want to approve. And their first is available, sure. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Just, it actually kind of goes into our, our um, next question, basically, <laughs> by, by Stefan Schwartz, where, um thanks for the coverage, gents. Can you offer any insights on this year's locker room dynamic versus prior years? Which guys have the most respected voices? Who's always talking? Who tends to hang out with who the most? Is the atmosphere more lively than recent years? And if so, how? Many uh, wants to be a fly on the wall of the locker room questions, but it goes to, with the Ferraro thing. It's like, how important is Ferraro for this team, given just there's not a lot of voices in that locker room that are like Ferraros?
0: Well, he is for sure the loudest, and there's no, <laughs> no, no question uh, about that. Um, sure. Uh, so our, we have a media uh, a workroom that uh, I guess it's... Basically, right above uh, the the locker room, and right above where they work out. Or I don't know, I'm not sure they may work out upstairs and all that. But anyway, the uh, the point is that you can hear uh, a, a Ferraro uh, oftentimes,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: just yelling, razzing guys, uh, trying to get get guys going um, from from our room that is closed off from 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 everything else. And consistently, he's the one guy that that you can hear. And so. He is, yeah, he, he, he is a very impactful leader. And we've talked about he's young enough to be part of the next Good Sharks team. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of touch on your other questions there, uh, uh, Stefan. Uh, so I think the room is considered, and I wrote about this recently in my Tom Oshurdo story about sort of the, the micro stats behind his, uh, his comeback season. But also, too, um, part and parcel with that is his uh, better attitude on the ice, and I think a more positive uh, leadership and the room has become and it's become his and Couture's room. And of course, Couture was gone for half the season. So, uh, so at that I'm sure allowed uh, Tomas to kind of take over the room even more in, in some ways. A um, mm-hmm. couple of the friendships that you, that you, that, that, that we've seen in the room, uh, Eklund and Zetterlin are, are very, very tight. They do literally everything together. They just want to cobble together, but Literally, they do. They do everything together, even <laughs> yeah. even even before that. And so, yeah, they're very good friends. Uh, Kaken and Blockwood have a very uh, a fun relationship. Uh, a lot of banter in the locker room, and they hang out a little bit off the ice. I don't think they're quite at the Eklund and Zetterlund level of mm-hmm. uh, basically being roommates, but not being roommates. Uh, but uh, but though, uh, Kaken and Blockwood are um, yeah. You, you can tell that that they they like each other. That um, not that not that I've seen problems with past shark skull tandems. I haven't. Um, but I would say that Blackwood and Kakanen are, in my estimation, from what I can see and hear, that they, they are a little bit closer than um, than past shark skull tandems that, that I've seen. Um and uh, finally, I think one guy that is a very underrated leader is Granlin. He's not talked about a lot. He's kind of a quiet leader, but he's sure. a guy that will take guys aside uh, uh, after a penalty kill or something on, on the ice and just talk to them Like, hey, you got to do this. You got to do this, that sort of thing. And I think, I think he's developed um, as kind of a, a, sneaky, uh, a, a, a sneaky kind of leader of, of, of the room. And overall, I would say in general, the room in general is actually overall, considering what the team's record is, has been uh, a fairly positive place. You know, guys are trying to stay positive. Guys are trying to, I think, kind of kind of pump each other up. Um, so it's not. I think I think it does help too that it's not a locker room that. I think when you have a lot of expectations, like teams, like if you're expected to win a Stanley cup or like the Kings, right? We, we saw this in public, right? With comments by Dowdy and Kopitar recently, if you have Mm -hmm. a lot of expectations, then, then, then there's a lot, there's a bit more snip, you know, snipping and, uh, uh, in public. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm sure that, 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 that extends to privately in this case, though. Um, low expectation team, uh, uh, obviously. And so that, that's helped that everyone has tried to stay positive in sort of, I think everyone knows uh, uh, what the sharks are and whatever they are hoping for at the beginning of the season. I think they learned quickly that they weren't going to be that surprise Cinderella team or whatever. And so everyone's just trying to kind of keep afloat and keep smiling. And I think they're doing a, a decent job of it.
1: Yeah. I, I do enjoy like Eklund and Zetterland's um,
0: <laughs> bromance. Like, uh,
1: bromance. I think that's a that's a really cool thing that I just didn't expect to happen after the um, after Zetterland's season last year because he just mm-hmm. wasn't very effective on the ice and I didn't know how long he was going to be around with the Sharks, but it seems like he's <laughs> kind of stuck in um, this year. So I like yep. that a lot. Um, but uh, all right, this is our last question. Zeke. Uh, oh, bonus should... question! Yes, bonus. Oh yes, question. this is yeah. a, a bonus yeah. question. Um, yeah, we're putting Zeke.
0: this in for 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 Zeke. So
1: <laughs> it wasn't on the it wasn't on the article. So Zeke, you got to put it on the article, man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, should the Sharks put Lebanc on the Cuda? Uh, that's a team which would which needs the help. Could use some positives and some scoring. There's nothing to be gained with him playing for Quinn. I think many hoped he'd be tradable, but that seems like a long shot. I'd say that last part for sure. But you never know. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, I, 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 would, you know,
1: <laughs> I, I guess I don't
0: know because yeah, I, I can't see in the future, but I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, so yeah, uh, actually, well, since, since we brought it up, it, it's actually related to Chris Braun's question about, well, he asked, Chris asked what the defense will look like. I looked sure. at what the fours will look like. If everybody's healthy. And looking at it, if they have 15 forwards and I mentioned, I'll just give away, it's not, it's not some like great, like great sure. subscriber articles. <laughs> if you got this far and, and and you're still listening, you, you've earned the you win. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you're a subscriber anyway. So chances are, so because this is a subscriber mailbag anyway, though. Uh, so uh, I have a carpenter going down and not that, not because of anything that he's done. He's actually been, I think, very good. A decent, at least in a four C role. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah uh, if if the sharks are, are are healthy up the middle, Couture, Hurdle, uh, Sturm, and Granlin, that's their that's their greatest position of strength. And so Carpenter, just it's sort of just a numbers game. Unfortunate, he should be up, I think. But um, yeah uh that's that's just that's just that's just a healthy team uh it was hard to figure out the, 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 the next forward though that might not make i think they'll they'll go they'll run with 13 forwards eight defensemen and two goalies and so um like i mentioned uh 15 healthy forwards i've sent down carp or i've waived carpenter i guess and we'll see if anybody picks him up um so then next i, I it was between uh bailey smith and Lebank. and mm-hmm. smith is just coming back from an injury uh, notably, uh, conditioning loans don't mean that, that you can like hide a guy. conditioning loans, he supposed to be on your roster if you, if you send him to an of conditioning loan. so, so 23 23 yeah. man roster. Um, and Smith has, has has an element that, that teams want uh, that sort of toughness that they might be interested in. And so there's a, uh, not likely, I would say, but there's a chance he might get picked up in waivers. His contract obviously is not a not a heavy impact contract, too. So that's that's a big part of it. He's making near minimum. And Bailey um, Bailey also is making the minimum um, and his contract expiring. And if you compare Bailey to LeBanc, well, Bailey hasn't been scratched, I think, since he's entered the lineup in late November. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. benched some games in-game a little bit, but uh, he's provided, he's a bottom-six guy, but he's provided fairly consistent energy and forechecking checking and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. LeBanc, of course, uh, is right now on his six games and going scratch, healthy scratch streak, and he's been scratched plenty this season. And even, uh, it was, I think, very telling, um, near the all-star break when Granlin went down, um, that LeBanc still couldn't get into the lineup somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so anyway, um, writing is definitely on, on the wall there. I know that there was sort of a, uh, you know, rumors of, of, uh, uh, erroneous rumors that LeBanc would get scratched really or I'm sorry waived, earlier this season but mm-hmm. if the sharks are indeed healthy up front and like i alluded to I think um I think i i, I think on defense Thrun is actually a question mark in my, in my mind and so that might solve the sharks roster problem there but the forward so um well, i haven't talked to Smith Smith yet uh, so i'll check check in with him i did do an article about Smith recently or actually just a couple of days ago about um was very, very unhappy with the knee on knee hit that, uh, that, 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 that slide him, uh, from Matt Dumba. And anyway, uh, uh, it's a sort of knee injury. And, mm-hmm. but anyway, if, if Smith is, is, is healthy and, and ready to come back, then I think that that will kind of force the Sharks to handle it. But obviously, Grandma and all those other guys coming back too. And so in terms of LeBanc, um, that contract, no one's going to pick him up on waivers. There's no threat of that. You'd be thrilled if someone picked him up off of waivers, to be honest. But no one will. Uh, not at that not at that ticket. And if he has the right attitude about it, he's going to get plenty of playing time with the CUDA. And so, in fact, actually, I was thinking about this. Um, uh, I know that Weisblot, uh Krona, I was told uh, they're all supposed to be back soon. Gushin is supposed to be back soon. So yep. there's a bunch of a bunch of sharks that uh, are are supposed to be, or I'm sorry, Barracuda, uh, that are supposed to be back uh, back soon. uh, Maki, uh Vincent Niemi is ill. Uh, Gushin, obviously. Um, so if the sharks were to also waive a player or two, two here, right, like a like a LeBanc, like a Carpenter, um, like uh, maybe McDonald, right. That actually is kind of loading up the Barracuda. (laughs) Could it potentially? And the Barracuda are you know trying to hang in there in the playoff race. I think maybe they're 10 points out right now, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. And so that's not great. Obviously, they're in last place, but they're they're a bit more competitive than the Sharks all season. If you look at their goal differential and whatnot, they lost a lot of close games. I think they lead the, their division, Pacific Division and in, in, in OTLs, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. the, the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so so that could potentially load up a team. And then so if, if LeBanc can go in there with a good attitude and be like, OK, if I show myself well here, uh, that's going to help help me get a, get a, get a, get a contract, at least get a two-way contract with the angel team uh, during the summer or potentially even a minimum one-way contract. Um, if he looks at it the right way, then, then, then that, then this could be a good thing for him. He's he'll, he'll get to play and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, the sharks after trade deadline might, might call him up again too. Uh, because they're going to, they might be short, uh, some key wingers at that point. So anyway, so yes, uh, Zeke, um, I, uh, I saw your question as I was writing my article yesterday and then I counted the the the, the sharks roster and health It I was like oh yeah
1: <laughs> it's a chance uh,
0: there's that that he seems like the the most likely guy yeah if he's, if you look at every uh, everybody else I don't I don't think that they would yeah I don't, I don't think that that, that the, those are the three guys I was thinking about um LeBank Smith and uh and Bailey but um anyway yeah so so I think it's possible if he goes down with the right attitude I just I don't know I don't know like it might be such a slap in the face that he may not react to it well. I, I couldn't tell you. But, uh, but if he came, if he went down, like I said, with a good attitude, for sure he could, he could help the Barracuda out and help his own, I think, uh, uh, value uh, in the off season at least.
1: Yeah. That, we did talk about that with Patrick Williams too. You, you, you hope that these veterans, when they do go back, if they are waived from the NHL, are like superstars. Right, um, and Lebanc. The last time he was in the HL was like a point a game player, and this was I think he was six, over seven he was years like a
0: point, point, like a point five, point. Well, one, yeah, something, point like five, or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, so no.
1: he, you know he was, he, yeah. So his last uh, twenty seventeen, he had four points in two games, and then before that, he had nineteen points in nineteen games. So oh, good point yeah, for a game. Yeah. Okay, then maybe Basically. that
0: was Fedelsky I was mixing him up
1: with. Yeah, uh, maybe or, or like um yeah, but uh, so you hope that he goes back and he just dominates, yeah. um. But you never know. It also depends on motivation know, yeah. and uh, how much he wants to do that. So, right. I I do agree though. I think it might be time, but it really depends on it. if we start trading a bunch of dudes, Levent could just stick around. Well, you can um, just bring him
0: back up, and no one's gonna, no one's gonna, like, <laughs> no one. Yeah, yeah, you can you bring him back up with no problem. But uh, but uh, yep. I think right now though, um, yeah, it's right now cool. it, it, it might be the best for for Kevin too. So
1: true, true. All right. Anything else? I, that's our, that's our last question. Did you have yes, that was uh, any, last question, yeah. a, anything else you uh, wanted to to bring up or talk about?
0: No, I think, uh, I think we've done a good job here. So
1: yeah. Um, thank you all again for your questions. Um, if you're going to comment next time, make sure you comment out on the article, um, and uh, look out for it. It'll probably be a couple months, maybe after the trade deadline, that kind of thing, something like that. I'm sure people will have questions depending on what we do. So we'll cover a bunch of stuff and we'll see you all next week after the sharks are finally back to playing hockey <laughs> finally oh my god um but uh bye everybody bye bye